Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. All right. Hey, everyone. Today we are here with uh, Beck G. Cohen. Uh, Beck currently works at Visions Teen out in uh, California. They used to be a uh, Pride employee. And so we're just going to chat a little bit today about Visions Teen, uh, the resources that we have for adolescents across the country. So, Beck, if you want to just start off by giving a little bio about who you are, why you got into the field, we can start there. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Beck G. Cohen here. Um, I'm the director of LGBT programming at Visions Teen in Los Angeles. We are a residential treatment program uh, for dual diagnosis and mental health for teenagers um, 13 to 17 years old. And we have all sorts of services from specialty clinic through outpatient, extended care, uh, intensive outpatient, residential and um it's just really good to be here and i think you know um my years actually i started at pride institute as an intern um about 10 years ago or a little bit more and uh, so it's good to be here today and uh what really brought drew me to working in addiction is my own recovery um and uh working in the the field of addiction and mental health um is always been something that uh not always, not when I was using, but always something that, you know, that I wanted to do and, and working with the LGBT community specifically um, really has been um, almost an amends process for me in a lot of ways. Just like um, I think I tore through my community when I was using. And so I really, for me, like giving back and doing work in the community has been um, been a real gift and I'm so grateful for it. I think um, the queer and trans community alone suffers um, and it's known, right, that we suffer more from mental health issues and, and substance use issues um, based upon like our circumstances and our, you know, um, how we um, are seen or unseen in the world and um, the traumas that we experience from being queer or trans. And so I think um, for me, working with teens today is, is really a, a great way to like intervene in all sorts of ways to help them show them, you know, that they can be out and proud in the world and also, you know, get the help that they need and um, a lot of early intervention things. So. Yeah. Thanks Beck. Uh, so Beck, obviously you uh, were the IOP supervisor at Pride uh, here in Minneapolis. Uh, what brought you out to Los Angeles? Was it for your position at uh, Visions Team? I've had many jobs between Pride and uh, Visions. Uh, you know, I came back to Los Angeles because of the weather. Um, really, I'm uh, born and raised in L.A. and wanted to be back where it's warm. Um, but, you know, in between Pride and, and, and Visions, I've worked at um, a couple other treatment centers or yeah, a couple other treatment centers and then also um, doing my own business where I uh, have continued to do, which is um, training and facilitating workshops um, for clinicians, for institutions on LGBTQ best practices. And um, so I continue to do that kind of on the side and, and help and 
do some coaching, things like that, um, with clients. So, you know, I think, um, I've never been good at just, uh, doing one thing. I have to have my hands in a lot of things. I think that there's need in a lot of spaces. So, um, so that's really what I, I try to go where the, the need is and, um, visions is my, my home base and, and the work and program development that I do here is, um, of the utmost importance. And then, you know, and then helping other programs and helping other, um, clinicians do better work is really, is really what I, what I love to do. So, um, but yes, I do. I did move to LA for the weather. <laughs> I was over the snow. Smart. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the challenges that, uh, LGBTQ plus, uh, youth face and specifically if you would, um, the trans population. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, we're in a place where, you know, it's 2022 and, and, uh, you know, I think the LGBTQ community and kids, um, are really being right now used as like political pawns in a lot of ways. And, we're seeing that happen in a lot of states right now um, where legislation is being passed um, against trans, specifically trans youth and trans youth healthcare. And, um, you know, so, so I think that in a, in a, in a meta way, like in a larger scale, like that is what's happening in the world. But as we look at like teenagers, right. And young people, they're going through life, as teenagers, right there, first of all, we're, we're having a whole different crew and of individuals, a whole, and I say crew, but a whole different population of kids who have been stuck in a pandemic for the last two years, um, who've been stuck on screens and, and doing school or trying to do school or isolated at home, not connecting with others, not going to school, things like that. And so we're seeing a whole new um, group of problems and struggles that these young people are facing right now. And, um, you know, for LGBTQ teens in, in general, right. Like, I think there's a whole lot of, um, there's lack of connection. There's lack of community. Um, a lot of kids find their community online. So, which is both has positive and negative influences, right. It's positive that they get to like see themselves and they get to like connect with others, the negative aspect, it makes them more vulnerable to, uh, you know, predators, to, uh, bullying, to, you know, uh, an abundance of things, body image issues, things like that. And, and so I think teens in general face a lot of, a lot of struggles, just kind of growing up and individuating. And then you add the layer of being, you know, queer trans to that. And that's just another layer of struggle that they may be going through. Now, not my teens that I work with, they don't, a lot of them don't struggle with being LGBTQ, right? Like, so like when I was growing up, like being gay or queer was like, you know, like the hardest thing, right? A lot of kids are, have more acceptance around their identities and are like, yeah, I'm gay or I'm trans or whatever. Like, that's not a big deal. It's again, the outside issues the, the, their parents that may not be accepting their family members, the political sphere, you know, um, their school, their bullying, all of that, all of that stuff, the outside stuff is, is what the stressor is. So it's really talking to these young people about how am I going to walk in the world? How do I navigate, um, 
you know, these potential struggles and how am I going to be resilient and okay? Because, you know, when I was a kid, I would get bullied at school and then I would go home and I would like not have to hear it. Now these kids, they don't, they have 24 or seven bullying being online, right? It's, there's no like respite from like that space. And so they, you know, a lot of kids just shut down, turn off or, you know, go to their little small communities online or whatever. And then they, they're, they're too, so fearful to expand themselves. Right. Which, I mean, I would be too. So, um, in treatment, a lot of the work that we're doing obviously is working on, you know, any significant traumas that they have may have experienced, um, you know, how to be resilient, how to be vulnerable, how to walk through, you know, any kind of shame they may be walking through. And, and then also how to communicate with their families um, or, uh, surrounding all this stuff. Um, so, you know, I would say a significant portion of our community at Visions is LGBTQ um, and, you know, what we get to give to them is a space where they're more than affirmed. They actually have a sense of belonging and that they feel like they can let their guard down a bit so we can get it under the underlying stuff as well um, of what's going on. Because a lot of, you know, um, clients that I've had who've been in other institutions or, 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 you know, have been in other treatment centers, you know, sometimes they're just like, all they're talking about is their gender identity and their sexuality because they're not being seen or heard. And then, it feels like, oh, that's the only thing that's that's up with them. And it's actually not. Once a kid is affirmed and 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 has a sense of belonging, we can actually start to talk about the real stuff that's going on. So I love that you say that because it's so true, um, because I think and it's wonderful. This isn't a critique of other institutions, but a lot of places have like tracks or, you know, it's kind of like a marketing brochure that like, oh, yeah, LGBTQ friendly. And there is such a difference between being affirming and creating a safe space of belonging. So I love that you said that. Um, why is it that there's not more culturally specific programming for this community, do you think? And especially for adolescents? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, I would say for adolescents, it's like, I mean, I think there's a study out there that like 52% of young people ages 14 to 24 identifies non-heterosexual, like 52%, right? Where in like, if wow. we look at the general population, you know, we like to say 10% of the population is LGBTQ, but like in, in reality, like the studies show that only like maybe three to 6% are now we're in a different world now, right? Like people are, are talking more about their gender, more about their sexuality. They're, they're able to come out more. And so I think for, you know, and I think what, what pride is given and, and shows is like, right. Like you, you can have a space that is LGBT specific Right. And that um, that people can heal there. And then also, you know, so we're not LGBT specific, but we implement LGBTQ like groups, parent groups, things like that. And then also for us, like because most of our population is it just happens to be LGBT is like we again, we we see that. Right. And we acknowledge it and we talk about it in those queer and trans affirming work is in every single group that we do and every single topic that we're, it's all involved in. If we're doing healthy relationships, we're not just talking about 
boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, and husbands in a heterosexual, heterocentric way, right? We're talking about partners and people that we, you know, we're with and we, we, the language looks different. Right. And so, and that is, you know, that is what I think what, what needs to happen, especially if places aren't like, like specific and, you know, and a lot of times when we do kind of tracks, it separates the community from, so you have like the general community and then you have the LGBT community. Right. And it's like, and that kind of doesn't like that. That's not actually like real world. Like, you know, well, first of all, treatment isn't the real world anyway, it's in a bubble, but it's not like it, it, you know, it kind of is like othering. Right. When we talk about those kinds of things. And again, like, if we're not specific, like we have to be integrated in and we can, you know, the, what I tell people about our program is that, you know, we can have an open program for trans and queer kids, right. That like, it's like, oh yeah, bring your trans and queer kids here. Right. And sure it helps them. Right. But ideally treatment doesn't happen in a vacuum. We're actually helping the cis and straight kids in our program when we have a more diverse program, right? So a kid comes in, they're rooming with a trans kid and they leave treatment and then their friends are being transphobic, right? And then the kid can be like, you know what? One of my best friends in treatment was trans. And you know, like stop doing that, right? <laughs> like, so like we're, I feel like we're creating better humans out there when we like diversify and that, and that happens even in, in LGBT specific spaces, because we can get so like, um, so, uh, particular in our own communities, right? Like in the gay community and the lesbian community, we see like those kind of, you know, pockets of communities that aren't, they're not connected, but even at like pride, you see them actually start to connect, right? Even inter intercommunity, which is awesome. And so that's my hope is like, we're not only getting sober, we're not only getting our mental health in gear, but we're actually like creating better humans and a better connection outside of here. That's really beautiful. Um, and yeah, I love the, the aspects because even in, in pride, you know, in our own community, we, you know, teach um, trans wellness because a lot of times people just don't understand the issues that trans individuals face, even within our own community. So I love that you spoke to that. I'm wondering if you can talk about um, why there are less resources for adolescents. Um, it just feels like, you know, within our field, the people focus on the adult population. I mean, we do too. Um, so I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's interesting because there, there are an abundance of like adolescent like treatment facilities, specifically in different states, but like you know, Visions has been around 20 years. We're just celebrating our 20 year anniversary. And so like we, you know, been doing this a long time. And I think what we have done and what the owners will tell you is that, you know, we started as a substance use treatment center. Right. And then instead of like growing and being like fitting kids into what we made, we made stuff for kids. Right. So we noticed that we needed some more like intensive outpatient. Where were the kids going to go after treatment, right? Where, what if they couldn't go home? So we created an extended care. Wow. We noticed that there's more mental health stuff happening. Let's create a center for mental health. Right. So like we've kind of built and we continue to build our program, um, you know, as 
needed, right? Rather than, and, and, and fitting a need for a community. The owners of Visions actually, um, and the, the leadership of Visions is actually starting, um, we're opening up um, a, an Orange County facility called Arrow, and it's going to fit the needs of, of uh, for adolescents who um, are dual diagnosis, who need maybe some insurance-based um, care. It's more community focused. It's more like old school kind of treatment, um, you know, and, and that will help fit a need that we notice that, you know, here at visions, maybe we can't support and in a different, uh, like County. Right. So like, so we're just kind of growing in that way and we've grown slowly, but surely. And I think, um, you know, adolescent, the lack of resources for adolescents is really that for, first of all, for um, parents and adults to say that their kids have a problem or an issue with mental health or, um, or substance use, right? They're, they're, it takes a lot, you know? Parents think that they can handle their kids and they're like, you know, I got this. And, and I think the more we talk about mental health, the more we talk about substance use, you know, issues, we get to, you know, we're getting more parents like on board for that. Now, if we add the layer of being trans or queer, right, that's a whole nother, right? So to have like a kid with mental health issues and be LGBTQ, right, it's just like, or even say that, or even like um, be aware of it can be really hard on the adults in their lives. So I don't know if there's like a lack, I mean, a lack of, I mean, there's, there could be more because there's, there's such a need for it. Um, but I think, you know, it takes a very special therapist. It takes a very special um, group of people to open up adolescent care because you're dealing with young people at their most vulnerable and most, I think like, you know, influential, you know, in a lot of ways. And there aren't a lot of, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. There's not a lot of people that do what we do, right? There's not a lot of people who can hang with teens. And I, you know, I have like a love for teens. I like people would be like, oh, teenagers. I'm like, they're the raddest, smartest. Like these kids are so smart and they're going to like save the world. I like believe it wholeheartedly that we are going to be better because of these young people. Um, Whereas a lot of people are like, oh, these damn kids, you know, <laughs> you know? so, uh, so right. it's, you know, it's, it's like, it, it takes a special, it takes a special crew of people to, to work and love and, and care for these young people. I love that you said that because I, you know, I'm a millennial. I think everyone on the phone is a millennial and, uh, I just absolutely love Gen Z. I think they're the coolest kids. And I think our generation kind of was a little more, um, superficial and not necessarily, you know, by choice, but like, I just, we were kind of the first generation that grew up with smartphones and social media and kind of like status imagey stuff. And Gen Z is kind of bringing back, I'm a nineties baby. So I love that they're bringing back kind of like the grunge scene, but that's from a, that's from a, I guess, aesthetic perspective. But I love that, like you had mentioned earlier in the conversation, how like, we were, our generation was worried about being gay. That was the worst thing. And now it's become about outside circumstances. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, I guess, stressors that, you know, Gen Z is dealing with today that are unique to them? 
Sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think you hit, you know, you hit the nail on the head and that's in saying like, you know, smartphones, media, social media, all of that is like young people are getting so much information, right? They have information that they're gathering and subconsciously or consciously, they're constantly being barraged with information, right? And one thing I think that we, you know, young people don't have, and even people my age and your age, right? Like, like we don't have the ability to hold all that information or even like process it, right? So it's like, so they feel like they're being like, you know, stretched in all these sorts of ways. Oh, I have to be this way or I have to be this way. Or if people need to like me this way or TikTok says this and Discord says this, right? It's like my like hope and my job and, and what do we try to do here is like calming a little bit. Like let's calm the mind a little bit. They don't have phones, obviously, while they're in treatment here. You know, they do have, they do schoolwork and stuff. So they do have a little bit of access to being online um, to do schoolwork, but it's not this constant barrage of information. And that gives them time to process what they've, what they've been through and what they're doing. I think young people have, have the, the, they just, they don't have the processing ability to handle all of the information. Like when I was 13 years old, I was like riding my bike around. I was like, hanging out, you know, like I wasn't doing a whole lot. Uh, I mean, but I was, I, I, I didn't have all the information. I had no idea what was going on in the world. I had no clue. These kids know so much more about what's going on in the world than I ever did, even probably still now than I do now, but like I, they, but they don't have the emotional capacity and that's not their fault. It's just how old they are, you know, like they don't have, they, they, I think they're, they're drawn into being older than they, they are and that they need to be. And we're, we as adults are doing that to them, right? We are, we are like kind of, and we're saying like, let's, for example, let's take LGBTQ young people. We tell them you go out there and you, you know, you advocate for yourself. You be, I mean, I have so many queer kids that are just like, I want to be out there. I want to be, you know, going to protests. I want to do this stuff. Like I'm, and that's awesome. Like, cool. But what needs to happen is that we need adults to be there to hold the net. We need adults there to hold them when they get bullied or when, when they, um, they come upon like a, a, you know, uh, at a protest, someone like starts yelling at them. They can't hold that space emotionally. Right. So adults need to also be there to back them up. Um, but we can't put these young people at the forefront of, um, of advocacy and, and making change unless we're going to do it as well, you know? And, and so I think that's really important for these because a lot of, of queer and trans kids, I think, you know, they're so wanting to like, you know, do protests at school or, or say something or show up and, and which is amazing. And also like, who's going to hold them when, you know, they feel alone and they feel tired and they feel, you know, worn out from advocating for their own lives. Like we need to be doing that. So that's just like some of the things that these young people are kind of, um, that I think is different than, than us growing up. Yeah. And then, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, Beck, just talk a little bit about how to get in touch with Vision's team. 
Sure. Yep. You can uh, find us at www.visionsteen, visions with an S, visionsteen.com. And um, my email's on there, but it's bgcohen, C-O-H-E-N, at visionsteen.com. If anyone has any questions, um, you can find us on TikTok, on Instagram, both visionsteen, uh, and um, feel free to reach out. We're always glad to, and anywhere in the country, if you need resources for LGBTQ therapists, clinicians, um, you know, I know you all at Pride Institute are great about that too. Just um, helping people find resources, even if we're not place for, for your young person or your, you know, your adult, like we can, we can help um, connect you with resources as well. Awesome. Beck, thanks so much for being here today. We appreciate your time and your, your wisdom um, in, you know, your bread and butter um, adolescent kiddos uh, in treatment. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Beck. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. We'll see you next time.